0: Hi there, this is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit.
1: We had a great time in the Word last week talking about dressing up. (laughs) Amen. And I hope you have counted some of your abilities, because if they gave you all eternity, you couldn't fully excavate you. You couldn't fully explore all that there is to you. I hope you've counted some. Have you? So if I give you a mic, would you be able to articulate some of the things you counted? And the yeses are reduced. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. You're bold enough to tell us what you discovered. When you went into the, into the exploration field, called you. You're bold. to Step outside and tell us some of the things you discovered. Anyone? Come on, come on, come on, be bold, be bold. Glory to Jesus, we love you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Okay, any other person? Yeah, you can come forward quickly. Minister Busola. Any other person? I'd like to have another person quickly come forward and tell us some of the things they discovered whilst they were counting their ability. Any other person? I need one more person. Glory, what's your name? Oshawa. Oshawa. Interesting. What does it mean? Come forward, come forward. Can we appreciate her? What does I mean, it mean? Child
0: is better than wealth. Child is better than wealth.
1: Child, A child is better it's than wealth. Better than wealth. Fantastic. Good to meet you. <laughs> In the capacity of your name. All right. <laughs> All right. You came forward first, so let's have you first. Sorry.
2: Good morning, church. So hopefully this doesn't sound like a testimony, (laughs) but it it sort of is. So um, uh, listening to the sermon last week, I really actually started to make a list of the things that God has deposited in me. So I typically would say I'm not the kind of person that's maybe, I'll have the idea, but I don't start a business. I don't, I'll just tell you how to do it, go and figure it out. And you know, I was praying on Monday and I was having a conversation with my sister and I found out how much dollar was to Naira. And I was angry <laughs> and there's this um, thing I do I crochet and i had been making it for my friends and everybody you know just as a gift and I was like you know what I'm going to make money with this and then I literally just started reaching out to friends post your pictures do this for me and that and in a week I made over a hundred thousand naira in, in one week <laughs> so <laughs> so so for me it was the confidence and it was doing it in fear and it was I'm confident, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I I I am a goodie bag, like what was mentioned on Sunday. So yeah, that's what I
1: Wow. wow. Look at that. Amazing. Okay. Glory <laughs> to God. All right. So More, we... millions come in. More millions coming. More millions coming. Amen. All right. Okay.
0: Um, so for me, uh, I initially didn't write it, but my friend Abigail was like, because I felt, I was like, I don't have a lot of things. She was like, that's the whole point of the sermon, right? Like, whatever you think, just write it. You're a big deal regardless. So I started writing it down. I was like, oh, um, I'm super friendly. I <laughs> People say I speak very well.
1: Say it, speaking very I well. learn
0: things fast. <laughs> I learn things really fast. I just have to see you do it. And as long as I can practice, and I'm a self-starter, like this year, I, started, I told myself I was going to learn how to write, and I started my blog. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so I, those are the things I was able to discover. And I don't know if this one is among, but I wrote that I'm a blessed with the best family ever.
1: Awesome, 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 awesome. Thank you so much. Wow, 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 wow. Thank you, thank you. Any other person wants to share? One more person, any other person? Can you teach us your name again? O- Ochoa. Sounds, it reminds me of the name of a goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. Is that, uh, well, Mexico. Mexico, yes. I think, is it, is it Ochoa as well? Yeah, pretty much the same thing, amazing. Okay, any other? Any other person? Is that Austin? Or La Inca, because I know I mixed both of you up. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's another guy. This is Austin, right? Good, good. Glory to Jesus. All right. All
3: right, thank you so much, Pastor. All right, so I tried a week when I was thinking about it, you know, I was like, ah, I had to, like, travel back in time to, like, growing up, you know, all these things I could do, okay, uh, I had this affiliation for music, I was at this club, you know, on campus, I mean it's school right so then i was like ah, it's so much actually where do i start from there was just so much things i just just kept on pouring out and then something dawned on me about the last message about starting for looking around what we actually are with us right? so i started a couple of things uh an sx startup a, an international trade consulting firm so i was basically in so many things at the same time but what's what dawned on me when i was reflecting to count on those blessings what what was immediately around me the company i worked with and just by virtue of doing that, I was able to come up with an idea that okay, I don't go into the details because of time, but I was able to come up with an idea that I was able to multiply my sales effort. So basically, wow. my I we sell products that cost 1050 dollars just from product. So I came up with a strategy using LinkedIn just by reflecting that could multiply. So in a month, we can now do 10 of that product wow. just from and I was like, where's all this coming from? Like this is I didn't mean really to think about going so much for so far, so far. Like it's overwhelming honestly. Amazing. Thank you so much. Amazing
1: so good so good can we can we just celebrate jesus for that wow how much increase is on the other side of your exploration how much how much increase how much glory how much beauty how much growth is on the other side of your exploration not of somebody else not of somebody else's profile on linkedin or on ig just looking inwards and checking yourself and your skills How do you pass by your own field and keep admiring another person's garden? How how do you daily pass by your own field? And then you put all the value and all the worth and all the weight on somebody else's cultivated garden. I remember writing a story some time ago about a lady who always went to a certain garden to play every single day. You know, and all that. And um, I'll try to remember the plot now. And then got there and it was almost as though she was always stealing moments in that garden. And then she would take on the flowers and check them and smell them and just spend so much time there and enjoy the lush greenery and all that. And then one day she saw for the first time the owner of the garden and then she looked at the person, an old man, and she was a bit petrified. Like, how am I going to escape this place? I I usually stole my moments here. And this is the first time I'm being found out. And then the man doesn't hurt her or scare her. She just just calls her to come and then he asks her questions about, you know, how uh, and why she's there. She says, well, I love your garden. I love how many things you've planted, the things you've built. I mean, it's so beautiful. I just always want to be here. And, you know, the, the guy showed him or showed her a picture of what it used to be. And she saw that where she currently lives, which is her own garden, was finer than what that place used to be. And then, of course, that was the moment to teach and inspire the young lady that what you have can actually be far more beautiful than where you are still in moments to experience. If you would go back to where you live, where you live and live, do you see my point? So where you actually live, you leave that place every day to go somewhere else that you assume has much more value. Now it's taken me 50 years, that's why I'm this old, to build this, and what you have has a much bigger value and timeline to become what this looks like in a much shorter time because you have a better head start. But because of you're comparing your level 2 with my level 40, you're assuming that we're on the same level, only that I'm better. But no, your level 15 is actually better than my level 40. You know, if only we would pay attention to the things that we have, we will realize how powerfully blessed we are. How powerfully blessed we are. How powerfully blessed we are. And these testimonies, I really think they are testimonies, have just come in good time to remind us of all that God has placed in us. Now, not in specific terms, but let you know that there is a lot more you can excavate if you continue digging. If you continue digging. All right. I I was at an event on Wednesday and it was a, you know, a day-long event. And at some point through the event, I, I felt like chewing gum or licking sweet or something. And then... I, I couldn't find anything around, and so I just stayed there and weathered through the entire day and got home. And I was up, as I was about to pull off my jacket, I, I noticed about five, six suits <laughs> 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 and gum in the very jacket that I've been wearing all day long. And I was in the middle of a need and couldn't realize that I carried the answers, right? and honestly many of our lives are exactly like that sometimes you would even empathize with the person that needs your solution and you you will combine with the person and pray to god to supply the answer how exactly do you want god to answer such a prayer you are the one carrying an answer it is right inside of you people need it and you are empathizing with them and say lord help them How does God answer that prayer? If he actually gives you what you're asking for, he invalidates what he had given you before. So it makes him a liar. If he does not give you, he he looks like a wicked person. It's such an impossible situation for God to be in, for you to be asking him to give you what he has already given you. What he's already given you. I was right in the middle of a need and I had the answers. I didn't have to step out. I just didn't have to put it in my pocket. Just, you know that sweet sound. You know that's... (laughs) that you get, you know that sound. I didn't hear jack. I didn't hear anything, but it was right there. Right in my breast pocket. And I didn't know, and I needed it so desperately. Now, how did I not realize? Because perhaps the last time I wore the jacket, I put it there and I'd forgotten. So it was a long time, the last time I wore the jacket. And a lot of times it's because when God placed this thing inside us, it was an eternity past. It was a long time ago. So we don't realize that it's there so it takes a level of curiosity a level of exploration a level of adventure a level of understanding that there must be something about me that i'm yet to discover a lot of us switch off the tv after 25 minutes into the movie there's a lot more to the movie. Now, the movie I've only spanned for 25 minutes so far, but it's a two-hour long movie. Why turn it off? I know the first 25 minutes is not so exciting, but how about you keep watching? There's a lot more to you. You've not discovered all there is in these 25 years of your life. You've not. There's still a lot more. A, A whole story is in front of you that God himself scripted. And there is a demand of you to be curious. Curious. There's so much. So much to us. So much to us. So the title of my teaching this morning is shape up, shape up, shape up, shape up, Hmm. how do we constantly leave this gold mine and keep asking for bras, how, how do we just believe that everybody's better than us, how did we get to that conclusion, how? We must have meditated on what the other people have projected. Let every projection by another person be a reminder. Not a basis of evaluating yourself as inferior. Let it be a reminder. And so from the story of my event and what I discovered, right, um, it shows that you really cannot maximize what you have not itemized. You can't deploy what you do not know you have. You can't send what is not present. You can't use what you're not aware of. And so the very first beginning of your accountability is to count. It's to count your ability. You couldn't sell those things if you didn't acknowledge that there was value in it. There is a lot of value in us, but sometimes we're so in a hurry comparing ourselves with others that we don't sit down and ask ourselves, what do I have? do I have you know sometime in the week as well my wife and I were just talking we we got this net for our babies and you know on on the mattress and then suddenly the bed felt bigger how many of you have noticed that when something doesn't have boundaries it feels smaller Mm. and then a very massive insight came to my heart that the reason why things that are unbounded feel smaller is because there is such a large expanse outside of them. So relative to the expanse around them, they feel small. When we're coming into this venue, it always felt small until we began to put boundaries. Remember when we were talking about our office? Like, this office is small now until we put some walls around it and it felt big all of a sudden. Hmm. The reason why you feel what you have is not enough. It's because you compare yourself with a vast amount of possibilities around you. If only you will put some boundary and focus only on what you have, you will see how massive it actually is. It's big. But relative to every other person's gift coming at you at the speed of light, you definitely will feel small. But when you zoom in on what you have, It's incredible. And another insight from there is the fact that our freedom actually is in boundaries. So the place suddenly felt bigger, more room in room. But it's because there was boundary there. And we've talked about this several times that our freedom actually comes in boundaries. This is my life. I can live it however I want it. It does not give you freedom. That's not freedom. That's bondage because you're enslaved to your flesh. Freedom begins with being able to say no. Because that's what grace offers you gives you the capacity to say no. But in light of our teaching today, we'll just be exploring a bit more about ourselves because we are a work of art. And workmanships belong only to showrooms, isn't it? Do you do so much, spend so much time on a workmanship only to put it under a bushel? (laughs) You don't work so hard, paint a work of art, Get the best poster colors and brushes. Get all kinds of amazing canvases. And spend days and weeks and years on a work of art. Only to keep it. That's not the designation of a workmanship. We are God's workmanship. Created in eternity past in Christ Jesus. Unto good works. That we should walk in them. We ought to be living manifestations of God's work of art. It's amazing. You see the beckoners sing so dexterously and like, for the life of me, I couldn't sing as good. It's because they are manifesting the grace and the gifts and the glories of God upon their lives. Can we celebrate them for that very powerful, powerful session? You couldn't use what you do not know you have. You couldn't maximize what you've not itemized. You can't send what is is not present. And that's why Apostle Paul would charge Timothy and says and he says neglect not the gift because there is a very high chance of we forgetting that we have some gift so he says neglect it not and when you pay some attention to it do more than just pay attention stare it up look at it in different ways precious is a gift in the hand of the holder he says wherever it turns it prospers Because it pays attention to that gift. It looks at all the potential ways this gift can manifest and serve his world. And so the more he meditates on that gift, the more expressions the gift shows him. That I can actually do this beyond what you thought I could do before. And so the more you pay attention to that gift, the more you stir it up, the more applicable it becomes in your context to serve your world. To serve your world. And it's important that we understand this. It's important that we understand this. Now, when it comes to stewardship and our seeds, which is our gifts, there is a posture that God has. God is extremely rootless with fruitlessness. Have you noticed? God has no appetite for fruitless conversations. He is not interested in you giving him excuses of why you were not productive. Everybody was subjected to the exact same conditions. How come they excelled? And you come back with excuses every time of how you buried it. What is wrong with how you are processing what you possibly possess? How are you processing it? You have it but you keep giving excuses of why it can't thrive here in Nigeria. How about I tell you that this is actually the best environment for it to thrive? Because God is too intelligent to put you in a place where his seed in you will not germinate. He's too intelligent to carry a a seed and place it in a desert where there will be no water i tell you this is one of the best environments for your seed to thrive the challenge is that you have looked everywhere else but where you are that's the challenge you have looked everywhere else but where you are and what i've observed again when it comes to stewardship is that god does not give bread to the eater it is the sower that gives bread to the eater You see, God gives seed to the sower, but because he's the one that gave the raw material for the sower to have the bread that he can give the eater, he's still the giver of both the seed and the bread. But he does not give bread to eaters. The moment God begins to prioritize eaters over sowers, he kills both. Because the economy does not run on bread, it runs on seed. It is seed that becomes bread, and then the sower will then give the eater. So, if an eater is asking for a miracle, God will not give bread to him. He will stay at the heart of a sower who has more to give, and then say, Go and give this eater. The moment he begins to prioritize the eater over and above the sower, he kills both of them because there is no cycle to consumption. It is sowing. And the reason why he prioritizes the sower is because of the eater. <laughs> so it is in prioritizing the eater that he must prioritize the sower. Because without sowers, eaters don't survive. And that is why you must appreciate the blessings of God in its seed form. If you are one who only appreciates the cooked meals that God gives, you are at the lower end of the pyramid. You are the kind of person that would always be servant to the lender. Remember, all right, the borrower is what? Servant to the lender. But the reason for the lender is the borrower. The reason why the lender exists is the borrower. But you see, the borrower would always be servant to the lender. But it is God that gives the lender the power to make wealth. But he gives the lender that power in its seed form. Sowers appreciate the seed form of God's gifts. They don't go about asking for bread. (laughs) They beg for seed. All right? I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaking or a seed. What? Begging bread. They ask God, but they don't beg for bread. They beg God for seed. He gives seed. Isaiah chapter 55. He gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. But how he gives that bread to the eater is by first giving seed to the sower. The sower makes the bread and then the sower must determine who gets to eat of his bread. And that is why God wants to be in control of as many sowers as possible so that the economy of eaters can be sustained. So if he does not have a lot of sowers who are in his economy that he can stir up at short notice, a lot of eaters will die. But if you are receiving bread, don't assume that it is God's perfect plan for your life. He wants to elevate you from being just an eater to be a sower. They were eaters in the wilderness. When they got into the promised land, they began to sow. He didn't give them any manna anymore. In fact, all the people that ate manna died in the wilderness. Because there is a level of entitlement that comes with being given bread every time. They're giving bread, they're giving bread. At some point, you begin to get upset when the bread does not come. Because you are just, just an entitled leech parasite there is a lot more to you you can create an economy you can begin to dispense donations that's your prophetic destiny to be a giver, a lender donations but you have relegated all of that quality and greatness in you to begging bread somebody goes to fetch it, somebody goes to sow it somebody goes to groom it and fetch it and all that and then create a bakery and enhance you a finished meal but because you are not doing so much you assume that you are the most blessed, no sir Miracles don't confer superiority on you. Mm-mm. No, it doesn't confer superiority. Because how did you get the blessing? Somebody that sowed gave it to you. I prayed, I prayed. Somebody just knocked my door and the person sowed, the person reaped, the person increased, the person kept in a barn, the person was waiting for an instruction. Then the person gave. <laughs> but you just ask God and God. Stare that person to give you and you suddenly assume that, ah, you are living the life. That is not the life. That's not the life in the promised land. You can stay in the wilderness and eat it for all you care, but that's not how to live in the promised land. You sow in the promised land. Mm, You sow. You sow in the promised land. So the gifts you have, you work them. You work them. You look at the rootlessness with which the master refused to acknowledge the gift of that one. That one talent that refused to sow it. It's almost as though God... Cares nothing about your emotions because he doesn't care about your comfort when it comes to stewardship. He cares about your growth. Three of them, he gave them talents. He said, you five, according to his several abilities. You two and then you one. And he looks at the three of them and he gave it to them and he left. He didn't give an instruction. Mm. So imagine the presence of of a gift is its own mandate. The master did not look at the guy and say, you that have given three, go and do business. You that have given five, you that have given two. He didn't give an instruction. He expected that if you have a gift, your head must be telling you that this thing is not here for redundancy. There must be a purpose to why I was given this. And my objective is to turn it around and do something about it and do business with it. Because he didn't give any instruction. They could have said, you gave us to keep, isn't it? No. The presence of a gift is its own mandate. The moment you discover there is something about you, begin to deploy it, or at least work at making it more refined so that it can be deployed. You can't be waiting and keeping it because guess what every time you refuse to deploy your gift you will see that it is a function of deficiencies in your theology about God because by the time master comes back and he's asking for some report on accountability the five guy tells him I've given, I've gotten five more the two guy says I've gotten two more the one guy begins to he starts by accusing God of injustice he starts by accusing God of inequity and wickedness and he says I know you're a hard man you sow so oh dear God you, 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 you reap so and you know I, I, I what are you saying that means it is is a misunderstanding of who God is that begins our journey into fruitlessness if you know who God is, if you know God is love, God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. God has given you everything that pertains unto life and to godliness. There is a way you will organize your life to ensure that God gets all his expectations met. Because remember what we define stewardship as. Stewardship is what is the preservation of the expectation of the master until he returns. And his expectation is increase, His expectation is fruitfulness increase multiplication replenishing all right subduing and having what dominion and so if you are not increasing it is because you are casting as on the very integrity of who god is you don't know god that god is a hard man god a hard man he gave you something you say he's a hard man how did you come to that conclusion that god is a hard man is that not Exactly what is creating some of these tendencies we see in our day and age, toxic boss syndromes and stuff like that, toxic environment. We don't because when it comes to being a master, we are not trying to massage your ego at that point. If you had God as your boss, see, Twitter will be a gog. If God, God, will, the one who is love. If God was your boss. (laughs) I mean, you would think that God would empathize with those that don't have much. I mean, those that don't have much. You would think that he would say, you don't have. ah, Bele, take. He takes that which you have. Ah, this God. are you still love. So God doesn't give it to those who need it the most. He gives it to those who use it. The most. Awesome. So you have a gift, you're not using it. I expect God to pander and continue to give you bread. Sometimes it's the lack of bread that makes you a sower. Mm. You will give yourself brain. <laughs> if I don't sow, law. <laughs> so he, he delays the bread long enough for hunger to give you inspiration. And I say, I have seed though. I have seed. In fact, I have seed. <laughs> and you begin to deploy it. I tell you the truth. And so it's important that we understand how God works. He doesn't prioritize the eaters. He prioritizes the sowers. Why would you collect even that which the person has? What he's managing? He's not managing it. If he was managing it, it would have increased. He's not managing it. He buried it. How many burial burial grounds walk on Lagos streets, going to work every day, or who refuse to go to work or even apply, stay in their houses, praying for a miracle, asking God to give somebody who by blood and sweat built a multinational to now have an opening and then employ them because which job is available? Somebody sued. Job you are asking God to give you was a, it was somebody's sweat and blood, somebody sold. Then He created this oak, and then birds can take shade under it. If God prioritized only birds, there will be no trees. There will be no trees, and after a while, birds will stop surviving because there will be no nest, there'll be no seed for them to, to survive on. And so he has, to pro, he has to supply trees that the birds will survive on. You must understand this. So, this Christianity ideology of dependency is toxic. Let every man bear his own burdens. There is a lot to you. Why should you be living in a world where you don't contribute? And you only give testimonies when there is something given to you without any form of contribution from your end. It's an abuse to your workmanship. It's an abuse to workmanship when everything is done for you. You are not an accessory. You are a workman. Something was placed inside of you to redeploy. Oh God. PD always defines seed as a progression of, how, did, how does it put it? A series, a sequence of growth. That's how he, he calls the seed. You are a seed of greatness. And inside you is a sequence of growth that can self perpetuate, self propagate, self increase by yourself. What? God has not had to create an extra human being by direct effort of his, apart from the first two. Because those first two can self-perpetuate. And that's exactly what he has placed in you. The things that can come out of your life, you have no idea. A unicorn can come out of your life. A blue chip organization can come out of your life. So much! But you put all that, you bury it, and you start looking for trees up and down. That have done all the hard work. I say, Can I take shade under you? And you have no timeline for exit. You just want to be there for as long as the shade is there. Remember what we learned about the sound of honor. Where David said, see, I'm enjoying my life here, but I I feel abused. And I feel abusive. (laughs) Yeah, why should I just be hanging around the king's son, leaving his house, and I, I don't have the sense of discretion to know when to exit and start my own life. Nah, that's not my kind of life. I'm uncomfortable just receiving and receiving. He said, it is better to give. Jesus said that. Than to receive. It's better. It's better. Praise the name of the Lord. So we must understand what God has given us. We must. God will carry. He said to him that has. More will be given. And to him that has not. That which he has. That means you can never say you don't have. And you are correct. Never. I don't have. And God will assess that as an accurate statement. No. Like I said last week, whenever God wants to bless you, he does not import it. He will come to you and make you realize that you have. Because it would always be from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from having to having more. Not from not having. You don't move from negative to positive. You go from positive to positive. So God will have to first establish in you that there is something you have. Every single time that the disciples came to Jesus and said, increase our faith. You have faith. Some asking for an increase. Use what you have. Some asking for me to give you, import it, add it to you. You already have what is sufficient to increase. Use it, deploy it. And it begins with counting your abilities. Every you see, there is not a single gift that God has placed inside of you that was designed to be redundant. Everything will find expression eventually. Everything. Everything. Joseph picked up in his father's house, picked up in Potiphar's house, picked up in the prison. Everything materialized as a prime minister. Everything. So whilst you are counting them, you may not find visible, practical expressions to those things, but keep watering them nonetheless. Because there will come a time that everything will come into full alignment. Everything. Everything. Every single thing. Every single thing. If the hair on your head is numbered, don't you think the gifts in your life are numbered? the hair meaningless the hair on your head went to the barbers yesterday praise god (laughs) so some of them fell off but gifts every one of them is numbered with an intention of the father and their objective and so we, we must begin every quest for increase with gratitude we must begin every quest for increase with gratitude. That God, thank you for what you have blessed me with. Even right in what do we call that place? Trenches, isn't it? Even right from the trenches, you are being grateful and saying, "God, I'm so grateful. Look at me. I'm a bundle of miracles. How did I carry so much? How? How did I carry so much and entered?" And custom did not stop this guy. How did I carry so much? There is so much to me. So much. If you will just pay attention. If you will just pay attention, so much. And some ayah, some types of gifts are depending on an environment. They are just waiting for you to enter into an environment. The same way the tea bag is just waiting for hot water. Put it in cold water and nothing happens. But you put it in hot water and something begins to happen. Everything inside of it begins to find expression. Because the environment interacts with the factor that is inside it that then triggers the increase. Many of the situations you are asking God to remove are the environment perfect. Oh dear God, remember it is hot water. Uh, It's hot. There's so much that once you enter into that expression, into that experience, into that environment, it will just begin to materialize. It will just begin to materialize. Some things Joseph would have never come into without the adversities of the prison, the peat, whatever's out. He would never have entered into those things. Stop running away from places that were designed for your advancement stop running, stop running there's too much, nobody can kill you, forget it ah, they will come in this office, they are not going to kill you, you are unkillable forget it, focus on your growth focus on your growth and stop complaining you are a world beater, hey this is no motivational stuff this is God speaking to you to the one that has, more will be given so God is a capitalist isn't it and to the one that has not. That which he has. He <laughs> so he won't even, ah, yeah. do you know he could have afforded to leave it? said, don't worry. The year you will come into realignment, it's fine. He won't even waste that one. Ah, yeah. It was one he gave him. But he won't even waste it. One full year later, one full season later, he won't even waste it with him. God has no appetite for wastage. There's something in you and you think it's there for nothing. No, sir there's so much there's so much praise the name of the lord Hmm. so i'm putting you into remembrance i'm putting you into remembrance god shows no empathy for fruitlessness what he shows is rootlessness (laughs) remember that parable in matthew how that he said which of you will go to a place and come back and your servant will work and you'll be telling the servant thank you (laughs) It's almost as though God is distant, inhumane, because he's not committed to the comfort of a servant. He's committed to the growth of the servant. The usefulness. The moment a servant loses usefulness, he stops being useful. (laughs) Then he can be eliminated and replaced. As a servant of God, as someone working in the service of God's kingdom, your greatest quality is your usefulness. Usefulness, you are a child, God loves you, and when He's talking to you as a father, oh yes, you're gonna get sweet specs spe- and hugs and kisses. But when He gets you on the line of work, you would almost assume or think this is not the same person that I had fellowship with this morning. There is a strong demand upon you, and when you think you're about to break, He will stretch the line even further and say, Do another l- yard, do another lap. I'm like, I will die, like some people were about to die yesterday when we were praying. <laughs> minutes of football, they were going to die, literally. We have video evidence. Uh, I who speak, I'm no different. (laughs) Praise God. I repented yesterday. So every, every footballer that I've ever spoken ill of, I repent. Public repentance. They will play 90 minutes and another three days. They play 90 minutes and another three days, 90 minutes. I played 10. <laughs> 10 minutes. <coughs> fitness is underrated. Yeah. Ah. Thank God for our staircase. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thank God for our staircase. Some people who will be unfit. Some people, the, the kind of fitness that they have, the small tertiary fitness is this staircase. So without the staircase, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. What got us into this? <laughs> <laughs> Rootlessness, right? You've got to be ruthless. Sometimes it's with yourself. You're being rootless with yourself. I hear, oh, nine to five, and so I don't have time for other things. I don't understand. What are you using your five to the next nine to do? Sleep? Social media? You get on another grind. That's what you do. You get another, on another grind, and you begin to work again. You begin to work. The gifts in you will need time to materialize. So you need to put time inside each of the gifts. The gifts will not just refine themselves. You need to put time and energy into any of the gifts you have discovered and counted. The purpose of this counting is not just to be doing number line. You count it and then you plan for how to utilize it and deploy it. Oh, you can speak. So what are you doing about that? You can write. What are you doing about that? What What are you doing about that? You can sell. What are you selling? Whatever it is that is on that gift page or on that gift book, trust me, you will need time to put it to work. And 9 to 5 is probably just focused on one thing or one aspect of your life where you're trying to survive, you're getting some money from their salary and all that. Then you leave there and then you focus on your gifts. And you are going to work them out. And have a plan. I have a plan. How God kept me in ministry was to tell me to start a blog and i continued writing every single week twice a week then i added some podcasts to it again i was just talking and sharing and sharing for four years non-stop sharing no audience no ministry no church nothing just writing to the space writing away but that was how i was honing my teaching gifts if I had not serviced it, I would, have had, I would have had a minus four head start. By the time I become pastor of PowerPoint, which I may never have, <laughs> if I had not done all of those things, I would have lost for years. So God kept me on the line. Keep working it. Keep working it. you photographer. Get all the possible sophistication in the software technology space. Or rather, in the photography technology space. And increase your dexterity. Be as good as good gets. Beat the best. Look for the best there and target the person. Put a mark on their head. Target the person. Because God deserves only the best. And the funny thing is that you're not doing it because you want to make more money. You are doing it because you are in service of your king and master. That is why. That must be your motivation. Because then that eliminates the possibility for materialism and covetousness. Because the reason why you want to be the best is not so that you can earn the biggest money, even though that is is an inadvertent outcome. It's just, it's inevitable. If you are are the best in the space, money will pursue you. But the reason why you're pursuing being the best is because God deserves only the best. And if you're in his service, whatever you present must actually be better than the normal worldly gifts and presentations. Yours must be better. Because you're serving the king. You're serving the king. Wow. Uh, so there's this beautiful song that I like. Now, I- I'll mention the song, but again, I need to put this caveat out there so that you know that the objective of this is not to cast aspersions on the song, but to let us understand sometimes the subtle nuances that come from what we listen to and to understand how it works sometimes so there's this great song about how you're a soldier on the battlefield and you're waiting to hear the call of your commander and that if jesus calls you you will answer a billion times and that's a very powerful song honestly we listen to it almost every day in the house great song but as i began to piece apart some of the words i began to see that there needs to be a follow follow up on these words So that you don't wait on the battlefield waiting and assuming you have not been called. Why would you be on a battlefield in the first place if you have not been called? You have been enlisted. Stop waiting. Start deploying. Many of us wait for a melodramatic call. We are waiting for a call. I have a call. You have a call. Whether you think you have a call or not. You, there is a massive call of God upon your life. Heavy, heavy. And the answering you answer is not to say yes sir. That is not how God expects answers. There is a parable to give us that explanation as well. A master goes to his two sons and he says, go and do something in the field for me. One of them says, yes, sir. And he did not do anything. The other guy said, no, sir. And he went about doing it. The guy that did was justified. And the one that said yes and did not do nothing, it was not justified. Because when God calls, your saying yes is not his answer. Saying yes is not his answer. Doing is the answer. You go about it. That is the proof of grace. Nothing will make the grace of God upon your life evident without works. Nothing. If you do not work enough, grace will not perform enough. If you do not work enough, we don't know exactly how well. If Hussain Bolt does not reheat the track and run, we have no idea of how better he is by grace relative to other runners. Oh, he's, he's, you know, he has the genetic framework. He has long legs. All those things that came to him by grace, we would never have seen their manifestation if he had not worked. And so enough of excuses. Enough. We are waiting for the call. Stop. Stop waiting for the call. He has commanded you. He has called you. And how he chooses is not that he goes ahead to choose. You get chosen by performance. <laughs> We've talked about this several times. How many are called and few are chosen is not because God calls many and then chooses few out of the many he has called. No, he calls everybody and he intends to choose everybody. But the people that show up are the ones that were chosen. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. So there is this amazing framework that Pastor requiring who has now retired from, His church at Saddleback, California. He created this very powerful framework about discovering your gifts. And he calls it SHAPE. I think it's perhaps the most brilliant framework on this subject. Very powerful. He calls it your SHAPE. And that's where the title of the teaching came from. SHAPE UP, right? And how that there are five, or four now, five, five, five powerful components to you that you must pay attention to. And I attempted to do the permutation and combination of all the variables, and I see it is a, it is a practical impossibility for two people to have the exact same combination. Practically impossible. If God created a billion babies every day for a billion years, He won't repeat Himself once. Did you hear what I just said? God has too much opportunity for creativity. Too much. Too much. Too much. <laughs> as diverse as there are human beings, you know, there are people that if they repeat themselves in this world, nobody will notice because they died several hundreds of years ago, but it does not give the risk, it does it still does not attempt it and say, Okay, if I repeat something I did in 1201, ah, who will he notice now? Who will notice who, who would have experienced both to compare? <laughs> nobody lived long enough to, to compare. So if he just repeats somebody else, nobody will notice. Yet, it doesn't. Not a single two people are alike. And I can tell you, because I have twins. <laughs> not, a, not, not two people are alike. No two. No matter how connected they are genetically, chromosomatically, whatever. <laughs> it, there is no way two people are alike. God has tremendous potential for replication. Tremendous. For creative productivity tremendous and that's the exact same possibility that you have you were created not in a caricature of his image and likeness in his exact image and likeness everything that is inside of you has a petra dimension in you so god is petra you are petros there is a petros equivalent of his petra inside of you inside of you so the first thing you see in that shape framework is your spiritual gift Someone says spiritual gift. gift. Ask your neighbor, what's your spiritual gift? (laughs) What's your spiritual gifts? What's your spiritual gift? Every single one of us, we have spiritual gifts, and it's not just the five fold ministry gift. There's several other gifts, and that's why we did a teaching series several weeks or several months. All right, gifts. You need to go listen to that. Perhaps you could stumble on that which, because you see, you don't know your spiritual gift except to come into the commonwealth of Christ. These are not things you will know before you know you became a Christian. In fact, most of the times, it is your spiritual leaderships that deploy you into your spiritual giftings. It's your spiritual leadership. So, if you dishonor some people in your life, you have eliminated the possibility for encountering some dimensions about you. You have. There are some things that God will just... It is only through your pastor you will know that you can design. You will never know. You will just be in logistics, carrying, conquering... (laughs) amen because i speak of someone (laughs) you just don't know that it's in you someone would have to deploy you and say don't go there go here and then you go here you find your wife you understand you don't find your wife there you're following up and in your mind you're following up (laughs) amen (laughs) spiritual gifts are at the behest of spiritual authority when you submit under spiritual authority, you are giving yourself potential for alignment. You are giving yourself the possibility to be found. You are giving yourself the potential to discover who you really are. Imagine if Barlow in secondary school never gave us opportunity to share devotion grounds. Imagine if he closed up every potential for sharing and say, oh, we're just secondary school boys. What do we know? Just two birds. What do, do you want to share? I don't understand. And he teaches every week, teaches every Sunday, and he never gave us the opportunity. We would never have observed that we even had anything called teaching grace. It's those 10, 10 minutes. 10 minutes, boy. Because you have to pack so much in 10 minutes. So you have to organize your sermon notes. 10 minutes charge. That's why you realize there's a difference between charge, exhortation, sermon, word. They are different. Ah. Pins, do you know? <laughs> Praise God. There's charge. There's exhortation. There's sermon. There's message. Then there's word. (laughs) Word. (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) That's word. Message, one and a half hour. Sermon is usually 30, 45 to one hour. Exhortation, 15 minutes. Charge, 5 to 10 minutes. You get the... So if I I say, you are the one sharing the word... (laughs) Just know that. (laughs) PD shares word. PD. You go for a retreat with PD. Just forget your plans for the next three days. Word. Praise God. And that's how we learned how to do exhortations, charges, 10 minutes. You share and then you are a blessing. Just two, just three, SS one. And we did that repeatedly as an SS1 boy. I was the librarian of the, of, the, of the chapel. And I had SS3 students as my members. So I knew how to lead people that were older than me in every, every sense of the word. Older in class, older in levels. I was in SS1 when I became a librarian. And I was not afraid to make an SS1 boy a librarian. There are some gift things I would never have come into if you didn't take a bet on people like me. So spiritual gifts, you don't just enter them by meditating in your room. No! You come into a local assembly, you serve. A person recognizes it and puts you and deploys you somewhere. And something inside of you will just break forth. That's how it works. Spiritual gifts. So you are here, you have not served in any place, in any capacity. This is warning. And we are watching you. Plasma. Get into a service unit and begin to serve. Begin to serve. Just get useful and valuable quickly. Don't just warm benches. No, get into the act. Start serving. You would notice. You just realized that there is a pastoral grace. There was an assistant I had on, on campus. Oh, dear God, P. Mike. <laughs> P. Mike. <laughs> His name was Pastor Michael as well. This man knew the name of every member. He had visited all of them. Before I think of visiting three, he had visited five, five 15. So every single person in the church, I would just go and ask him, What's going on? Then he would tell. It like, was like the nervous system and the immune system of the church. He would give me the update. He loved to visit. He loved to pastor. He just loved to follow up. He just loved to hang around people and visit. He was, he was so at home with it. He wouldn't drag Mike with you. <laughs> he wouldn't go be looking for how to preach. No, that was not him. He would go and visit. He was so good with it. And you observed that he was a helper. It is when you serve... That you will realize some of these things. Some of you are powerfully empowered in the prophetic. But you won't notice until there are people under you. You won't notice. You will just not notice. Until there are people under you and you begin to see things. You are talking to them and they tell you that everything you tell them are the things going on in their lives. That's the prophetic at work. You are speaking just normally. Because the prophetic happens both voluntarily and involuntarily. Many prophets don't realize when they become prophetic. They don't realize. God just works through them easily because they're prophetic. They're sensitive. So even their emotions and feelings and nuances and ideologies, everything is already wielded by the power of God. And so whenever they're speaking, don't take their words for granted. Even in their jokes, they can be prophetic. And so you won't notice until people begin to ask you for counsel and you will see exactly what they need to do and the word of wisdom is just manifesting and you're not realizing it. But you didn't realize that until you were made a cluster champ. Amen. You didn't realize that. That you're made a cluster champ and you're visiting people and you're sharing. And then you're speaking things. And they're like, how did you know? You didn't know anything. You're just speaking. And that's the prophetic at work. Praise God. Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. And I took the liberty to write about myself. As I was writing these notes. Because I need to acknowledge it myself as well. The communication of a faith is made effectual by the daily, I added that for emphasis, by the daily acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. So I looked at it, I said, I have got a strong teaching anointing at work in my life. I know it. I know it. So whenever there is any concept, whenever I think of it, I'm not just thinking of the concept, I'm thinking of a framework. I'm always thinking in frameworks. How can I deconstruct this nebulous concept that is difficult to understand? Put it in a framework or in a step by step, and I'm able to explain it in a way that people understand and it makes sense. I'm always obsessed about that. It's a teaching anointing. And I would never have come into that if someone did not take a gamble at me teaching. I didn't know. But somebody used me in that direction, and see what I'm doing today. You need to understand that there is a spiritual gift on your life. It's not just an exclusive for the fivefold ministry gifts. Every single one of us in this room, we are anointed to the teeth. Bible says you have an unction from the Holy One. You know all things. There's so much to you, especially the spiritual gift side. You must get involved in service to realize these gifts. You must get involved. You must get involved. Then the second thing there is heart, heart. Your passion. The things that get you up at night, the things you cannot avoid, the things you cannot ignore, the things that gnaw at you every single day. When you see them, you are upset. Something in you is not not happy. You are bothered. Your heart, your passion. So there's your spiritual gift, there's your heart, your passion. The things that makes you excited or upset. These are the things that are indicative of your heart. Praise the name of the Lord. I hate ignorance. I hate lack of knowledge all right I, I don't like it i hate it that's the word i actually hate it and i hate it because of what it, it it does in the lives of people the bible says my people are destroyed so i hate the destruction that ignorance precipitates that is where destruction is cooked in ignorance it's cooked in ignorance when the devil takes people plunders them destroys their lives people that he shouldn't even have the right to touch people that are under his feet or rather, people that he is under their feet and then he's destroying their lives, he's plundering them, he's stealing, killing, and destroying their lives. I hate the implication of ignorance in a person's life. And so I study to show myself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth and even go beyond the Bible sometimes to read other secular materials that can enhance the delivery. I was listening to some of the teachers at the international conference organized by Pastor Fermi Lazarus recently, and I was so amazed by the level of work that goes into just teaching an effective sermon. And I realized that so many of these techniques are things that I already deploy, but it was just good to know that these things are extremely pivotal to the success of a teaching ministry. I started listening to a certain man who has a um, conservative background on, I think it's one passion ministries on, on YouTube, and all he teaches is he teaches ministers only. He teaches them on etymology, on ethics, teaches them on delivery, teaches them... I mean, not etymology, rather, homiletics, rather. So, homiletics, it teaches them on how to deliver your, your teaching accurately, how to prepare for sermons, how to teach contextually, all right? All kinds of expository um, materials, how to teach expository. Several materials there, and you need to study to show yourself approved. Study, study from people who have done it. If you have a heart for something, you don't need any other incentive. That's how you know if your heart is there. Look at the things you don't need incentives to do. Those are the things that tell you where your heart is. I read more books while I was doing a nine-to-five, like regularly going to work. I read more because I'm, at, I'm in the bus, I'm reading, and I read a lot more because in one week I'm done with a book. 30 minutes go, 45 minutes back. You have finished a book in five days if you repeat that process, depending on the volume of the book. You're just obsessed with books, reading, getting knowledge, understanding things, mechanism, mechanisms and dynamics, how things work. And so you need to understand your own heart as well, your passion. God will not place the same passion in everybody at the same time. It will make you a combustible engine. You will bust. Imagine it's everything that upsets you. <laughs> just imagine it's everything that upsets you, everything that excites you at the same time. Do you understand? So he, he, he chooses people that will carry different burdens. So that you can focus on a dimension and then by the time you contribute your own, I contribute my own, everything looks civilized and orderly. So he doesn't put everything in one person. He doesn't. He doesn't. God is so masterful at these things. So he will choose the thing that you carry as your own burden. So that you can grow in its depth and be able to really satisfy the demands of that area. Because you will need research, you need collaboration, you need networking, you need all kinds of of things to be effective in that area. And so you need to understand your heart. What are you passionate about? I'm passionate about knowledge. I'm passionate about, about teaching people and letting them understand things, especially God's word. I'm passionate about transferring knowledge and I hate ignorance. So you need to write these things about yourself as well. What's your spiritual gift? And it's okay to acknowledge that I don't yet understand or know my spiritual gift i'm praying to god to to show it to me but you can start by serving that's how you start you start by serving you start by serving because many pastors i tell you the truth there is no pastor who is worth its salt right that 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 has not served in every department in the church there is no not one so how perhaps you discover that you can teach is that you started in choir then you ended up in ushering then you started teaching children's church then then you stumbled in ministry you understand that's how it works So you serve, serve around wherever there is need, serve, serve, wherever there is need, serve. Stop being too choosy and say, oh, I only, mm, serve there. You don't know what can materialize from there. All right? And then heart, what your passion is about. Then abilities, we've talked about this severally. These are your talents and your natural giftings. Things that you realize you can do with relative ease, flair, and quality. So those three things have to be there. These are natural gifts and talents. Things that you realize that you can, re- you can do relatively better than other people with a measure of ease, flair, and quality. It's not enough to just have flair. It must, it must have some measure of ease to it. That is, it's not as difficult for you to achieve. You know, it's not as if- difficult. I- I'm tempted to go in the goat's direction, but let's, let's not go there. <laughs> let's not go there, right? There's a relative measure of ease flair that is while you are doing it there is you can be creative about it and in your in your quote unquote creativity you are creating a, a new way of doing it that is you, you were never taught you just did it you know the way sometimes footballers create skills it's flare. it's called flair you just do something that comes to your mind instinctively you didn't plan to do it you just did it and it worked it worked so fine and everybody's like wow how did you do that did you learn it no you just did it it's flair it comes with ease, it comes with flair, and then you do it well. There's quality there as well. It's not like you have ease and you have flair and it's not good. That is that's, that's not a natural talent. It has to be good. It's excellent enough. Your natural talent. And that's what some of the things we've been learning and then writing and counting since last week. So you don't stop counting it. Sometimes 20 years into your life, 20 years from now, you are still counting things about your life. Because many of those gifts were perhaps tied to some seasons in your life you meet them in front you meet that need in front and sometimes many of those things are activated by the culmination of all the ones i have gathered over time and then once they get to a tipping point they will unlock the next level of giftings so many apostles started out as teachers and pastors they have been apostles from eternity past but that apostolic dimension was not designed to be activated at the beginning of their ministries so after they had been pastors and teachers for several years then they culminated into the apostolic dimension and they began to become apostles amen all right so we're talking about abilities here so this gift grow with use and i've said this earlier how that you must allocate time to all your gifts don't just leave them redundant and say "Eh, if god gave me the gift you will find a way to make it useful you will make it useful you will find a pathway for its usefulness and sometimes the first pathway to, that, to the usefulness of your gifts may not be viable in terms of remuneration. Because that's another challenge with some of, our, some of us in our generation. If something does not pay you, you think it's not worth your while. It is. It may not pay you, but it's worth your while because it is giving you capacity to refine your gift. You are practicing I was hearing something the other day. How that every single person who plays keyboard instrumentals for all secular artists, they are church boys, all of them. Because the church provides the capacity for daily practice. We, where do you want to go? Where you be playing drum? Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon, till Saturday, every day to hone that gift. They are all church boys. The church has perhaps just not done so well in, in deploying those gifts and creating a platform for their excellence or for their, for their um, manifestation and expression really all right all of them because you need a stable system that provides the instruments for you to practice and only the church affords that on a regular basis praise the name of the lord so let's and that's why we must we must wake up as the church we can't be training for the world We can't be training people and deploying them only for them to become ripe and then they become avested. So we cultivate them in our nursery, we plant them well, we keep them, we make them accountable. They come for rehearsals every week and they are honing their skills only to be backing up for some song that drives people into hell in in droves. So what's the point? And that's because we have have hated every form of artistic expression of music. Apart from the one that involves raising of holy hands. We need to be very, very wise as the church. Amen. Is it only the speech that has God in it that is good speech? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is it only when you are speaking God, you know, Jesus in every statement that you are speaking well? And I've said this several times. There's a difference between secular music, worldly music, and Christian gospel music. The three of them are very different. But that's not the time for this. We We can share the clip on that later on. But it's important that we understand the church needs to be as intelligent. The Bible says as wise as serpents. As wise as serpents. Gentle as dove, but wise as serpents. That is, they think you are coming this way, but you are actually not coming that way. Because you you can't be raising and nursing solid talent only to deploy them to the field of the world. It's not good investment. It's not. Why are you putting all of that into the skills and all of that only to the first album they say they want to release because you did not see jesus erase, and then you say no they cannot do that but we need people in those other spaces that may not like you know i think guess we sharing that who are not necessarily in the house but they are in the garden and somewhere in the field so that we can go to weddings and we won't be limited in our choices of songs that we can sing So that Christians can have weddings and the songs that they sing in those weddings don't have to be worship songs. Because that is not the context for that. There is a place for celebration. Remember when the child came back, the Bible says there was loud music. The music has K inside. (laughs) Check it in KJV. (laughs) Music with K. Loud dancing and music. It's part of the celebratory atmospheres that God affords. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. But by the time we make it such a polar system, where it is, if you're not raising up holy hands, everything else you open your mouth to say is worldly, then you, you've gotten the memo wrong. Worldly music promotes the three things that are in the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Any music that promotes any of these three things that makes you lost after women because they objectify women in those music, or they throw money all around, it makes you covetous, they throw money around and make it look like see, money is everything. If you are not rich, you are useless. And anything that exalts the personality that is singing it and making him look like the only thing that is good since sliced bread, because nobody's better than sliced bread. <laughs> When he, he magnifies himself, I'm the biggest, I'm the best, I'm the only. Those are things that magnify those three things that are in the world. There are three things in the world. lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Anything within the environment of those three things is worldly. Your national anthem is not gospel, but it is not worldly. It is secular. So there are songs that are secular. There are songs that speak to life. Things generally that are not necessarily worldly because they don't promote those three things. But they put a tune on a song that makes sense. Praise God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. I know I am breaking tables here. I may the tables remain. All right, because the church, the church needs to sanitize the music industry. We need to sanitize it. And how do we sanitize if we don't deploy people there? Is it only pastors that have jobs? but pastor is the major spiritual job. So every other job does not exist because we should only be servants in the house of God. No, you all have secular jobs, don't you? So let's understand how things cascade. So if there is a secular organization and you are working as the head of that secular organization, you are not a pastor, you are not a prophet, you are not an apostle. You are the person in that designation that is a Christian. So how you go about your work in that place will be Christian. There will be integrity there. There will be honesty there. There will be sanitization. There will be no corrupt practices. All those things will be there. So in your music, even though there is no lifting of holy hands, Jesus is coming back soon in there, or Jesus anything, there is sanity and sanctity inside those songs. And people of all backgrounds and races can listen to it. And feel the groove and vibe because there is good use to music. There's good use to music. Amen. Amen. I know there's some people that's like, "Not agree, not agree." Everything you don't talk since money makes sense, but this one. <laughs> Praise God. And that's why people will just say there is no use for my gift here in the church. I church, I do church from. Beginning of my life till 25, 26, and everybody's asking me, come and drum for this, for this song. Come and play keyboard for this song. And, I, and I, I feel like I'm in a fix. And I can do this thing so well, but there's no expression. There's no way for it. So it's only church on Sundays. I'm, able, I'm not even able to earn from it. And I spent and devoted all my life to become dexterous at it, but I can't earn from it. That's frustration, that is literally opening the door for massive exits. And then we now blame people that are living. Let's create a system that keeps them and makes them viable and productive. Enough of that. Amen. Amen. All right. So we've talked about what? Abilities. Abilities. All right. We've talked about how that you can only deploy what you're aware of. You can count your ability. God's actual gifts. God actually gives people in line with their generation. And that, that, that blessed my heart so much. There's some gifts God will place in you because you would exist in this generation. There are some gifts that are connected to social media some people are just good with social media but that gift will not be relevant if you were born 400 years ago so god didn't put your gift for a different generation there are gifts you see i when god was about to deploy you he chose carefully the generation you would exist in so he placed all those things in you from eternity past and all that that your parents can only meet in this generation because once you're alive in this generation everything can find expression Praise God. So you're not ahead of your time. You're not behind your time. You are just right on time. Right on time. If you know you have that social media gift, deploy it. Use it. Be an influencer. Do it with boldness. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't let religious blurry lines keep you under a bushel. No. Don't let it shine your light and shine it brightly. Praise the name of the Lord. So talking about your skills or your abilities, your skills, I, I personally wrote for myself so you write for yourself as well. I have incredible leadership skills, people skills and communication skills. I wrote that about myself. So you look at those things that you have, you write it down, you, you elaborate on it, you meditate on it. You look for expression and by the time you begin to meditate on those things, the Holy Spirit begins to give you pathways and channels of expression. So do you realize that you can actually be going to this school every Friday evening to be doing this kind of activity? You love, you know, humanitarian work, charity stuff. That's a gift. It's not normal. People, It's not everybody that has that level of passion and heart. You, you just love it. And creative ideas come to you out to be a blessing to children manifested by all means. All right. Personality. Let's, let's begin to round off personality and then an experience. Personality. You know, I talked about this earlier in HDD, how that they are, you know, there are different frameworks when it comes to personality. There's the Tim Lahaye framework, Anthony Robbins has his own, um, and there's, there's a five-factor personality um, tests. Of course, I'm not gonna go into all of the details around all the frameworks and their specific tendencies and all, but there are personality differences in each and every one of us. We're all different. We're all different. So you can choose to go for any of those assessments and check and, and, and do some, because you need to understand that Peter and Paul, they are different. Those two at least give you a sense of understanding that these guys are very, very different. One is a bit rigid, needs a lot of evidence before he can move. He's not a risk taker. That's a personality predisposition. The other guy does not need a reason. <laughs> if he wants to do it... He, do you know, Paul never asked God where he, should, where he should go. God told him, I will make you an emblem of my salvation everywhere. In fact, if, before Palaces and kings and all that. And he says, I will show you the many things you will suffer for my namesake. That was the mandate. Everywhere there were human beings that had not heard the gospel, he entered, he would shook his head. The only times he did not go somewhere was when God resisted him. He did not be, he was not praying and asking God, where should I go? Should I that's something Paul Peter can do? So this person beside me right now, should I preach to him? He looks like a gentile. But, I don't know. By the time God tells him yes, bust up. (laughs) That's Peter. Because the first time he preached to Gentile church was the last time. The pace at which this guy is going, he went to arrest Paul. And in just a few decades, Paul had covered (laughs) Paul had covered everywhere. Because the guy is naturally aggressive. Naturally. He slapped somebody that slapped him. Oh, you've not read it in your Bible. Somebody touched, he slapped him, he said, what, what, what's your problem? And, and then he said, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were sent by the high priest. <laughs> this guy was fearless, aggressive. Peter won't do that. You, you beat Peter, Peter will rejoice and go back to his company. <laughs> Different personalities. Peter was more accommodating. Paul was very feisty and sometimes irritable. So if you are doing dear, dear, around Paul, let's go for a missionary trip and you are, you are, still, you are still dragging your. He will banish you. What are you doing? That's Paul. Personalities matter in ministry. In life, generally. matters. And you need to acknowledge that you are different. Look at Ochoa, right? She says she's good with people. She's friendly. Some of us are not very friendly. And he's not very good. <laughs> Alright. So your personalities may predispose you to some types of tendencies. But what you have in addition to your personality is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now the Holy Ghost has purpose for your personality. Because there is something Peter has that Paul does not have. If, Peter was, if Paul was the head of the church. Church don't scatter. Tete. <laughs> oh God. Now the day of Pentecost. Church scatter. Paul. Hey, <laughs> Paul, that ability to gather people, pastor them, appoint elders. Paul, if he does 20 years in your church, that's the longest. Because anything about 20 years, he will scatter the church. He is not a gatherer like that, he's a pioneer. Starts things, establishes it, and moves on. Peter stays his shepherd. If it was Paul that Peter offended, because Paul resisted Peter to his face. And Peter acknowledged that this Paul, you know something that we don't know. There were some things that Paul said that you could almost smell that if this guy was not a man of God, he would have been very proud and cocky. Very proud? Why would you say that? That I labored more abundantly than they all. They all. I speak in tongues than you all. Ah, ah, Paul. He said some things that were so outlandish and bold because of his personality. Because of it. And then you read the epistles of Peter; he's always admonishing. Peter will not say, "Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you." I mean, strong words. Paul will say it without flinching. He will say it again, again. I say unto you, foolish, Abba. He didn't care. I mean, the, he was about to leave a place he had been there for twenty two half years. He was about to leave. They were very emotional. Say, ah, people, don't go. So What's wrong with you? Like what, what was all this? What, what, why were you crying? Ah, he was he was upset that they were empathetic towards him and they didn't want him to go. Peter would have gathered there for another three days and admonished them, say, I, I go to be with the Lord. Paul <laughs> didn't care, he left them crying and went on his journey. I beg leave all this. Paul preached to his jailers. Aye. Peter ran when they opened the jail. Amen. <laughs> hey, the moment they opened jail, I said, hey, Peter. <laughs> but Paul, he waited. Who are the jailers here? Come here. And he preached to them. Paul, boldness. Unfettered boldness. That was wired into his personality. He had been persecuting the church as a boy. He had been persecuting the church for free. They gave him a letter to Damascus to persecute and burn churches and kill people. And he collected it and he was going with that vehemence until Jesus arrested him. He said, this one will be useful. This one. This aggressiveness, I like it. He didn't change it. He just channeled it. So your personality, no matter how you think, oh, this is not the best. God put it there. He put Peter in charge of Jerusalem because he needs stability in Jerusalem. He needs an headquarter. That people can be writing to and be asking, is this okay? Can we do this or not? He needs stability. So there must be a Jerusalem. But who will spread it if all we have is Peter? So he allocates people based on their personality predispositions. So acknowledge that there is a certain way you are. And then utilize it on the strength of God's spirit. Your personality is a gift. Your personality is a gift. Praise the name of the Lord. And then lastly, your experience. Praise God! Even if you have someone you are similar to in all those first four dimensions, not one of us has another experience that is similar to another person's. Every one of us has different experiences and your experiences give a flavor, a certain flavor to your giftings. There are some stories I alone can share because they were my stories. I experienced them, and because of that, I can give succor to people who are going through the same thing in my entire, in my journey in life. When I go to places and I see people who have extra year, ah, I can relate, <laughs> because I was there, and I can share that experience. Oh, you've been through a heartbreak, ah. I can relate, praise God. Praise God, this hallelujah is very low. Are you going through one now? <laughs> praise god your experiences are part of your ministry there are some words you will not say that will strike because you don't have the experience to back it up when you speak in those places you are shallow people will look at you like you don't understand i beg you are speaking plenty english and bible but "Mm, you don't understand but when you start with a story that connects with the plight of the people you are speaking to say ah this guy understands Let's hear what he has to say. You have come to the other side. You have survived it. And they are still in it. They can't believe that you can pull them out. They believe. Because now you have experienced it. So by the time you eliminate all the experiences in your history, you have eliminated your story. You have removed the reason why you are worth hearing. You have removed it. Your experience validates your message. It validates it. Because God helped you. See people going through depression, suicidal thoughts? As a secondary school boy, I dealt with that and God took me out of it. So I know what to say to people like that. But you've not experienced anything. You've just, from glory to glory, that's your story. What happens is that people will come to you and they will not feel like you're a high priest. You're you not a high priest that can be touched by the feelings of their infirmity. Because you have not in every point tempted as they are. So your experiences have... Invalidated your messages because you don't have any experience that connects strongly with the people. Chronicle your experiences, share them, share your testimonies, share what God has delivered you from and through. It it, it just authenticates you. You are so authentic when you share from your own stories. That's what made Joyce Maya such a powerful voice in the world. She was never ashamed to tell about her story, and it just made her words so piercing. I mean, simplicity and all that, but the words were so piercing because she survived something that not many people survive. And that just authenticated her message. And everybody just wants to listen to her because, boy, how did you survive that? You know something we do not know. So stop, stop asking God to just evict you from every situation. Sometimes it will save you through them, not from them. So that by the time you are on the other side, you can stretch a helping hand and understand. And understand. Some people, right, and I I say this very humbly, right? Some people have been through really, really, really bad situations. Then they come to church, and the first thing you do is to judge them. I uh, uh, say, hook up, babe, hook up, or whatever it is you want to call them. And you're so quick to judge them. You had a father in your house. You had somebody that put boundaries in your life. And so, there were some things you were not susceptible to. If you had the kind of background they had, you would have done worse. And so, you are so quick to judge because you don't understand. You bring your high wand of Pharisaic judgment and you, you want to just slam it on their head. Ah, you don't look like one of us. Yeah, yeah, a sinner. Yeah. You don't understand. This is why Jesus will never judge anyone harshly because he understands every single person's context. He understands. He's been there. He's been there. So be very lenient when you're, when you're judging people. You can judge things, but when it comes to people, because you never have full perspective about their experiences, it's very difficult for you to judge accurately. It's very difficult. So this person, she, she acted funny, or she acted wrong. She, she, some people, they're not very friendly because they've been burned several times. And instead of just shining it up and down, they're just a bit cautious, and I'm like, see, somebody has to prove that they are worth my friendship before I open my heart again. Because perhaps that's their 17th heartbreak. And then you come and say, you don't even smile. You don't even smile. See, open your teeth. Smile. (laughs) 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 You know, our experiences define us, really. And they give us an authentic message. They do. They do. Every of our entire storylines were written, the Bible says, in a book. Everything about us was written. And so... Don't be quick to judge people because you have no idea what they've been through and are still standing. That they are still alive is supposed to be a, a gratitude. It's supposed to be something you are thankful for. That they are still alive. They even came to church. They even sat down to hear the word. After all the heartbreaks and rapes. And then you look at them and you judge them so harshly. We must extend grace. The Bible says when God sees a broken reed, he doesn't break it. When he sees a smoking flax, he doesn't quench it. He fans it back to flame. Instead of him to see, ah, there's no fire in you anymore, he sees something that used to have fire, and he fans it. There was fire in you. He believes they are rising again. A broken reed, it doesn't break. I say, you are almost broken anyways. Let me just break you. No, he, he, he meant it. He doesn't break it. And that's the attitude we must have as well. And this shape creates your application. Because purpose is always... Indicated by design, all right, by design. How you are shaped is indicative of what you're supposed to do, what your life is supposed to be about. When you see a furk and you see a rake, the size, the difference just tells you, okay, this is not for plates, this is for a field. So shape is indicative of purpose and destiny. When you investigate these things long enough, you begin to realize that there is a lot to you that you need to start using some of the influencers that we admire today, they don't even have as interesting a story as you. If you start saying your story on social media, people will start following you? Because you have such a compelling story as a person. So many things have happened to you that if you just begin to storytell, because storytelling is a skill, and some of you may not even acknowledge it when you begin to look at your life. Storytelling is one of the most powerful skills in the 21st century today, storytelling. Because every single product, go and check all the adverts, everything is in a story, everything. They want to advertise toothpaste, they will, they will narrate a story inside. Every single thing is a story. So you can tell stories in a compelling way. That's a skill. You can use it for plenty money. You can tell stories. And some people, it's just your life. You just want to share about it and you want to encourage people. And boy, people are like, wow, this happened to me too. Because see, many of us are individuals. Others are patterns. There are people that God will use them as a pattern. So it will make you go through a wide spectrum of experiences that there is nobody you cannot relate with. You need to be be very conscious of what God is doing through your life. Let's end on that note. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you for the grace that you have given unto us to come into your presence, to learn of you. We ask that we are established in this truth and in all righteousness. Can we bow our heads right now and just ask God for grace to discover more? I know you have counted what you have counted, but you can discover a lot more. You can discover a lot more. You can discover a lot more. Ask for that grace. Ask for that grace. Ask for that grace. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Can we jam our hands together for Jesus?
0: Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at PowerPoint Tribe.